0: I've got all new devices in front of me today so uh, you need to bear with me as I adjust (laughs) to getting used to all the different order that I have to do these things in but um, let's get into the word Um, today's message uh, is called uh, the God man I've I've called it that I've seen this term um, mentioned many times in um, commentaries and all sorts of uh, good teachers that have, have used it, but. Uh, Today we're we're talking about this uh, specific account of Jesus uh, when he was a child Uh, and the only account by the way that's been verified. Uh, All other accounts that you'll find are are what we call um, apocryphal writings which is that they're unverified, Uh, they have not been, uh, they're not true. Uh, Some of them even say that Jesus (coughs) uh, was a rebellious teenager and all sorts of strange things. Uh, And I'll tell you today why that can't be true uh, and tell you why uh, an interesting subject on on this particular thing that many people have perceived this account in some ways, um, either that, and we'll get onto it, that Jesus was distracted when he was, uh, as we'll read, that he uh, uh, was lost, in quotes, for three days uh, whilst he was in Jerusalem. Uh, some people have said it was just uh, his parents forgot about him, that's probably most likely. Um, uh, and some have said that maybe o- over those years of being with Jesus and, and looking after him, let's say it's looking after him, um, that they may have, I wouldn't say forgot, that they may have just not quite remembered that he's the son of God. Uh, and and there's, you will go through the scripture and we'll just see just this amazing account of what happens and just to give us this confidence uh, that Jesus is God but this is the only authenticated instance of Jesus in his childhood, uh, in his childhood years so we, we should see why Luke found it important to have this one and only account uh, of Jesus at this time of his life uh, and this is especially hit on my favourite subject uh, or that I love to continue to get to grips with and I'm sorry if this is repetitive but it's in a time that we need to keep hearing it uh, that Jesus is God that he's fully human and fully God. What you're going to need to hold in your heads today are two things. That Jesus is God and Jesus is fully human. Fully human, fully God. Now what we try to do, just to give you a little introduction, what we try to do, as I said a couple of weeks ago, is we, when we hear the stories of Jesus, certainly this one, uh, what we try to do is then look at our children or the children that we've had experience with And we go, well, he must have done that because he was being rebellious or because he was being this or that. What we can't do is those things, one can't overtake the other. They are, he is fully human and fully God. And this will annoy you because we want to resolve it. And we want to say, it's got to be one. And he is one, but they're both things in one singular Christ. Now that's confusing, isn't it? Just to start you off with. So these things, two things you're going to have to hold in your head that right to the end, Whatever I say, Jesus is fully human and fully God. Uh, And this is, as much as I can explain in this context, uh, how we can gauge with that and and really get to grips with it. So, really what I want us to understand today is this critical importance of understanding the man Christ Jesus. As we look at these verses in Luke, what you will see, uh, as we discovered last week, is searching for silver in Scripture. We we search, we get the whole of Scripture, and we look into it, and we see, what's God trying to say in it? What we'll see is an amazing piece of text that both describes the two natures of Jesus but this kind of paradoxical two-natured singular person of Christ and that will never be resolved here I'm going to tell you that you if you have trouble with it you're not going to be able to resolve it here Uh, we just have to there's certain truths we have to accept of God that we will not necessarily be revealed to now. And, and often we, we go too far and we, we want answers right away. And God just doesn't do that. God is a God of authority and he decides when we should be revealed of certain knowledges of the Bible and of the truth. And he's gracious in doing that constantly, by the way. But in particular, we wanna look in accepting Jesus fully man, fully God, that ultimately we can understand uh, the transformation that awaits every Christian from our lowly body, as, scri- as scripture says, To be like his glorious body when we meet him and so you start seeing the parallels that Jesus on the cross dying is is being killed but he himself decides when he should die and then he's risen to a glorious body in heaven and so scripture says we follow a similar pattern we have lowly flawed bodies and yet when we get to him we'll be given glorious bodies like his not him but like his so let's look at our verses Luke 2 uh, verse 39 <coughs> to 52 it says this uh, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew and became strong he was filled with wisdom the grace of God was upon him every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover when he was 12 years old they went up to the feast according to the custom after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day, then they began look, uh, looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in a temple court sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him <coughs> excuse me, was amazed And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature <coughs> and in favour with God and men. A lot to get into there but let, let's begin as we go through this let's begin with, uh, let's, let's go through a few things, we'll begin with Jesus and his parents and what they were doing, move into this glimpse of Jesus at 12 years old and, and the, the Jesus to come as well we see at 12 years old uh, and then understand how the two aspects of him being fully God and fully human Uh, how he does that without compromising his deity. Uh, So when we look at the scripture, when we look at verses, what we find is Mary and Joseph back in Nazareth with Jesus in tow. Uh, They would live there until Jesus became an adult. He would be a Nazarene and would grow up as a Nazarene. Uh, The first mention of Jesus is in reference to God and how he grew and became strong, as well as filled with wisdom and having the grace of God on him. And this is a very important point in this part of scripture, uh, that God is mentioned first, that we, we, we get the, the situation of Mary and Joseph, and then we get that God comes uh, with, with, this, with this piece of text uh, that just says that he was, um, is filled with wisdom and having the grace of God on him. And this is really helpful, uh, in, that we need to know so we can understand what comes later. His decision to stay behind was a purposeful one and we'll see that in the text. So let's look at Isaiah 11 verses uh, 1 to 3 and it says a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse from his roots a a branch will bear fruit the spirit of the Lord will rest on him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power the spirit of knowledge and the fear and of the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. These verses uh, speak of what's to come. And we have our verses in Luke to show uh, that this prophecy has arrived in the flesh, that we've now seen this Jesus arrive that uh, was being spoken about. And it's hard to imagine that this person, uh, this particular person was filled with wisdom and the grace of God uh, was on him and and we're actually talking about a child. I don't know many children, children are quite perceptive and and they some you know really can understand some things very quickly but we're not talking about a a just a very clever child, we're talking about a child that's full of wisdom that, that has been born of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God is on him. This is not an ordinary child, this is not even a super child. This is Jesus in the flesh, God incarnate. And we can underestimate just how perceptive children are today. But in this instance, he's not just a boy who's really adept at understanding the things in the world. He's not a child that has a gift of wisdom. Rather, he's filled with wisdom. And that's that's something different to having, a, a in a sense, a gift of wisdom. In particular here, uh, of course, that um, Jesus is God who is wisdom, who is love, who is all those things, but we're still holding the two in together, fully human, fully God, and we'll get on to how those things operate together in one body. What we're not seeing here is a boy gifted with godly abilities. There's no child that could be filled with wisdom in the typical sense today Without probably more life experience, without growing up and and going through a life of experience and gaining wisdom and then God revealing wisdom to them through their experiences. At 12 years old, this boy is astonishing the teachers. They're in amazement of his understanding of God and of scripture. What we've been told in this verse is that yes he grew up, he became strong because he's human, but in Jesus being God his humanity did not earn him his deity. He did not grow to be God, he is God. He did not earn his godliness, he is God in human form. Jesus who was born of the Holy Spirit who is God was already God as prophesies in scripture What we understand in this verse alone is that Jesus grows in his humanity, but has and always will be God. The purpose of of this humanity is explained in uh, Hebrews 4, verse 15. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. You see the, the dual nature of Jesus here operating. He, he, he can know our weaknesses. Uh, we don't have someone who is unable to, un, to sympathize, but able to because in his humanity is also God at the same time because he's without sin. You go, this is getting confusing. We do try to resolve these things in our own human minds, but they're just, some things, you know, being a Christian is about having faith as well, um, and maybe we push it too far with the, I need proof, 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 right to the end, because actually at some point we need to trust Jesus. We need to trust that our faith is, is, is in God. So in His humanity. He was born, he grew, uh, he grew uh, tired, um, he got thirsty and hungry, he became physically weak. There's loads of Bible references to this, he died and he had a real human body after his resurrection. Another thing we'll come to at the end, what's Jesus now? Now he's with the Father, what is he? What does he look like? So Jesus lived as a person growing up in a culture of obedience to his parents, obedience to his Father in heaven and the customs of the world he inhabited as a human. Feast of the Passover uh, was a one-day feast followed, by, uh, followed immediately by the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, and it was a requirement to go to Jerusalem on the Feast of Passover each year. Mary and Joseph tried to keep the Mosaic law and they went, uh, they went each year three times to worship at the temple. Feast of Passover, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, big event. And now when we look at the, the regular uh, attendance, Passover, we see that in one visit, as we come to here in Scripture, uh, Jesus attended and stayed behind, seemingly without the knowledge of his parents. And Scripture is very clear to make it clear that his parents was without the knowledge, not that Jesus uh, was being mischievous. And now I'm sure that in whatever capacity you've had to look after children, uh, you will know this experience well. There's always that one moment where children get distracted. Uh, and wander off whilst we're, whilst we're not looking. And I can think of many occasions where a son has done that when he was a child, because children are just interested in stuff. They love exploring and they love going off and they love causing you stress. That's what they do. Um, but on the whole, hopefully they give you a, a, a joy, um, whether you're a parent, whether you're an uncle, an auntie or whatever you are, um, you will have experienced something of this nature. Um, And there are a number of possibilities to consider as to why and how this happened with Jesus as to why he uh, would have stayed behind and and one as I said earlier is that he he was so engrossed in talking to the teachers that he was left behind and there was a, a sort of naivety in his youth now now we've got to be really careful here as innocent as that may sound the moment we start even discussing the possible aspect the possible the possibility that Jesus was naive, introduces a weakness in Jesus. That suddenly he is not able to be fully God anymore. The moment we say he's, there's a naivety in his youth, we're saying he's not God. God is perfect. What we do when we worship and believe in Jesus is that we know that God is perfect. So naivety is not even a possibility because it starts to introduce problems into the Bible that are not originally in the Bible that we start to introduce ourselves, do you see what happens? We start to degrade the word, we start to take away Jesus's deity and therefore everything starts to fall apart. Once we take one brick out it all starts to collapse so we have to be really careful especially when we're looking at commentaries and uh, and research behind this uh, in, that, in that regard. Another one says that his parents mistakenly left him behind and that's probably more likely, the scripture does say, that they did leave him behind. They un- unknowingly or unwittingly, I think it says, left him behind. But in the case of Jesus, his remaining in Jerusalem was not mischievous. It wasn't disobedient and it, he wasn't distracted. And you'll see this in, in the text. Jesus is not the, 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 the sort of run-of-the-mill pre-teenage boy. Yeah, he's, he's not starting to get into temper tantrums and you know, starting to, to, to struggle with becoming a teenager. He is God. He is perfect. And furthermore, we just read one of the most important verses saying that he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. As God, he is filled with wisdom. He is wisdom. And so it's not a boy that's distracted, but a boy with intent. What Jesus was doing when he was asking questions of the teachers was a foreshadowing of what he would do when he came to do his ministry on earth. When he started his ministry, he would do this very thing. Now here, he's, he's asking questions. And when I look at this, I think this is not Jesus trying to, uh, my own personal opinion here, gave some information to try to understand uh, what, what is scripture. He's, in my view, seeing as how he then did his earthly ministry, he's, tr- he's understanding their understanding of scripture. Because he's about to come and ask them in what, another... 22 years is that right 20 18 sorry 18 years my math is terrible Uh, 18 years he's about to challenge them on that very understanding so rather than him uh, yes he is he's learning in a sense but it's not that he doesn't know and then and then I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna really confuse even more at the end by the way that Jesus knows all things and he knows doesn't know all things is your mind blown already yeah, that's just how does that even work? I'll show you. But there's a reason for it, and, and I'll show you what that is. But anyway, so he wasn't just distracted, he wasn't just this teenage boy. He is the Son of God, and, uh, 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 and we read that the uh, wisdom, his full wisdom, had the grace of God on him. And so it's not a boy distracted, that he's with intent. And what Jesus was doing when he was asking questions of the teachers was this foreshadowing. So when his parents found him after three days of searching. It says this uh, in the text uh, 46 and 47 it says uh, after three days they found him in the temple court sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Who is expecting this 12 year old boy to have understood These things about God. That's why they stand amazed. These are teachers, these are not just people that know a bit about God, these are people that are teaching. And they stand amazed in his understanding. This is the same Son of God who would later challenge the very core of their understanding. What the Pharisees understood about God. And and, and let me tell you: if Jesus at twelve years old is bringing amazement to those that were teachers, I can be sure that this boy was not distracted. He had every intention to do this. Here was this 12 year old boy who had not been trained in the temple in that same way. Yes, he'd gone along and we don't know whether he'd gone along before or uh, before that time, but we know that at this particular point, he was certainly there. But he, he knew, he understood the word so well that they were amazed we don't know whether that's as much as the teachers, I imagine it must be more because we have to bring God back into this. He is fully human, fully God, fully human and able to interact and ask questions as a person, but fully God in understanding that he knows himself. How could this be? How could he know all this stuff? This young man they were talking to was the word of God. And we learned last week, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, In John in the first chapter that he says he is called just that he is called the word of God and I I think maybe there might be I'm going to guess this just like maybe in me you want you want this to resolve look he's human because I can see him he's human we're reading a story about a person who is present but he's also God but I don't want the two together I want one (laughs) And here it is, that doesn't happen here. We don't get that because we don't understand how that would work. And here is where we trust. Here is where we say faith in God is that I trust that Jesus is God and that he died for my sins and rose again. And so this stuff pales actually into, into, it doesn't even compare to the cross. How could a man die for me? Because he wasn't an ordinary man, he was God. And only God could pay the price for sin. So we get back to our text. What we see next is Jesus, the deity, as his parents find him. In Luke 2, verse 48, it says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. The question is from a typically anxious parent this response is not from a typical lost boy. It says verse 49, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I don't think I've got the other verse. Uh, it's verse 50 says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Do you, do you see what, what we're, we're, we're asked to do here? Je- Jesus' parents, Mary certainly, but Joseph. Uh, is referred to as parents didn't understand but the verse immediately after this is that she treasured these things in her heart an acceptance that these things are not for her to understand at this point and an acceptance that that's the way God wants it and we can get into scripture we can dig into it but uh, I, I think at some point we have to accept that God reveals through scripture what he wants us to know, gives us knowledge and understanding. So you see this particular point in Jesus' life is so fundamental to our understanding of the deity of Jesus, because if we even start to suggest that he did something wrong or made a mistake, then we have a fundamental problem later in embracing the very God that is Jesus. We have a fundamental issue in accepting that Jesus died for sin on the cross and he paid the price for it. In Jesus being obedient to his heavenly father, he has not been disobedient to his earthly parents. Again, you've got to hold two together. Just because he was obedient to his father, he wasn't disobedient because they couldn't find him for three days. You see, when it comes to his father's house, that trumps everything. Jesus, who is God incarnate, is obedient to his father in heaven first. Uh, Matthew 22 verses uh, 36 to 38 says, Teacher, which is the greatest law, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is what he's doing. Jesus is following the law. He's honouring his father first and foremost in heaven. And so he's following this great commandment. But then he follows another commandment. He says this. It says this in Exodus 20 verse 12. Honour your father and your mother so that uh, you may live long in the land the Lord uh, your God is giving you. What we see is he obeys his parents and when they come to pick him up he's obedient and goes with them. You see Jesus is reflecting that only he can stick to the law, only he is perfect in following the law. So there's no disobedience, there's no accident, there's no mistake, he's not distracted, Jesus is doing exactly what he should be doing which is being God in following his law. So it's not that Jesus foregoes one for the other, but that he did, did it in perfect order. This you would expect from the one true spotless lamb who was without sin. So in his divine nature, Christ was fully God. In his human nature, he was fully man. In his divine nature, he had all the attributes of God during his incarnation. And in his human nature, he was finite and could therefore grow in wisdom and stature. You see how it works. The two operate side by side. He's fully both. And we see that in verse 52, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. Jesus did not cease being God or divest himself of divine attributes in order to become man, rather he took on a human nature and submitted the use of his divine attributes to the will of the Father. We know this, if you read the life, the ministry of Jesus, what you'll see is Jesus constantly submitting to the Father's will. He constantly prays to the Father. He shouts, he cries out to the Father because whatever the Father does, he does. John 5 verse 19 says this, Jesus gave them this answer, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does obedient as the son, but only because he is God, can he be totally 100% perfect obedience with his father. No man on earth, no person on earth can be fully obedient to God, only Jesus can. Sorry, fully obedient to the father, let's not cross the the words over, because he is God also. So what we see uh, are times of his divinity on display. We see this in Matthew 9 uh, verse 4 and it says knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts?' How would he know that? That's not, uh, ex- they're not expressing them, he knows it because he is God, so he knows what's in their heart. And other times it would be veiled for want of a better word. Mark uh, 13 verse 32 it says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. That just may seem like a paradox. You know, I said earlier that you've now got to understand that God knows, Jesus knows all things and Jesus doesn't know all things. This is why we have to maintain the two, fully human, fully God. His submission to the father Is the Son of God but he can only do that because he is God who can maintain perfect obedience to the Father. I know. It doesn't matter, I could stand up here for three hours and try and explain this but there'll be every day that I will keep trying to search it for myself. There is no way in this lifetime that someone's gonna, you're gonna be able to utterly see these two fully human, fully God working in one singular Christ as Uh, uh, as almost logical, that it doesn't even make sense because our world doesn't operate that way. Our humanity doesn't operate that way. But that's why the heavens are not like the earth. (laughs) That's why heaven is different to this place. And so it may seem like a paradox, but the scriptures plainly affirm that Jesus both knows all things as God and doesn't know all things as man. you say, well, why is that? Again, I don't know, ask God about it. <laughs> Pray to him, ask him. But for this unique, two-natured, singular person of Christ, this is no contradiction, but what we can only really understand as the God-man. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. This is where the understanding of the fully God and fully human really should land for us. It's here in Philippians, uh, Philippians 3, verse 20 to 21. And it says this, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is where it comes down to. We can, we can look into and keep digging into what does it mean to be fully human and fully God? Or we can get to the point where God says, I'm not gonna reveal any more to you and you're gonna have to trust me. That's called faith. It's something that scientists can't understand. It's something that the most brainiest people on the earth cannot get to grips with. That at some point, faith has to be part of our walk with Jesus. We cannot let facts as it were, and I say facts, but the Bible has loads of facts, but facts in a worldly sense, get in the way of our faith and our walk with Jesus. Not saying don't, uh, to turn off your brain, not saying just, just be dumb and don't, don't, don't think of anything about it, but at some point faith plays a part. We trust in Jesus because he is God. We, we, we acknowledge his authority that's trust, that's faith that we're doing right there. We trust that he has everything at hand. Jesus didn't shed his human skin. He still has a body, a glorious body it says uh, in heaven, a perfected human body, a body like we haven't yet experienced but one they will experience when he transforms us. Uh, there's there's, a, a, there's um, uh, verses in Acts that describes the ascension of Jesus. And it describes them seeing Jesus ascending in his form. And so I don't know what that glorious body might look like. Is it the same body? But he is a body, he has a body. We know this because scripture tells us so. And we'll be transformed like him when we meet him. Jesus' work as the perfect mediator between God and man means that not only are we dependent on his death in history, at the cross but also in his continuing humanity whilst Jesus died a physical human death uh, in one sense that would not have been enough for the price of sin to be paid for it had to be a spotless lamb to pay the price of sin for all time for that only God was capable of bearing the weight of sin upon himself through Jesus Christ no other good man would have been perfect or good enough we can only be united to God if Jesus who was and is God died for the debt of sin and rose again so we today are set free from it and rise with him. This, this sermon will not give you all the answers to what questions you now have in your head. But know this, if you've got questions in your head, that's a great thing. That's really good. If it's provoked you to think about, well now what does that mean? And now what does this mean? get into scripture, read it. And you don't even have to read it from front to back. Pick up scripture and just pick up pieces of Jesus' life. Understand it piece by piece. Because I'm telling you, there is no way you can read the Bible front to back like a novel. It just doesn't work that way. It needs to be studied, not read. Take your time, because it's a treasure, it's a gift. So what are we left with? I haven't really answered the question because I can't answer the question. What I'm telling you is that this is true. I'm telling you that scripture says, Jesus is fully man and fully God. And it's not that those things need to be resolved, it's that our acceptance of that needs to be resolved. Not that God needs to do something, it's that we need to do something. That will take studying scripture and praying. And that's what I'm gonna recommend for the end of this message. Get into scripture, enjoy it. Read two lines at least of something and just, what does that mean? Getting a bit of Greek as well, a bit Hebrew. There's loads of websites that can do the translation for you, by the way. You don't have to study Greek and Hebrew. You can actually just look at some websites that tell you what the <laughs> translation means. But things like this are things that we'll never get to know. And, um, and I don't know whether we'll ever know them even when we meet him. But I think they said this morning I think we'd be too busy worshipping him wouldn't we? Glorious God who saved us from hell, I think the joy would just overflow right, party in heaven 24-7 worshipping God. I'm going to pray and then we're going to we're going to worship one last time we're going to listen and contemplate on the on the words of this song. Uh, Father we want to thank you today that we have this, Um, what is for us anyway a paradox, Uh, what is for us something that in many ways doesn't make sense. But Lord we must come at some point to the end of our own knowledge and we must come to a faith and trust in our Lord and Saviour. And so Lord today I I pray that we will study scripture and, and, and enjoy it but also Lord alongside that have the spiritual wisdom and receive the spiritual wisdom of faith, and understand that God is in authority in all things and over all things, and it is not for Him to do something, but for me to respond. And Lord, I pray this week that we respond, in whatever way that is, Lord, for a few minutes, half an hour, whatever it is. Or may we get back to enjoying that the paradoxes from our perspective of the Bible, but of what is absolute sense and goodness of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we thank you for the word that points to him. We thank you for the ultimate death and resurrection in Jesus. And we thank you for the the gift of being able to enjoy the word together. We thank you, Lord, for all these things, amen.